It's the Perry and Shauna podcast on the real life journey with you, reminding you that you are Abba's beloved child and that Jesus has called you into his massive mission to heal the world. Well, if you're like me, you want to raise kids. You want to raise your kids to know Jesus and to have great character. How do we do that? Let's talk about it. We've got Dr. Kathy Cook with us. She's the founder and president of Celebrate Kids, based in Fort Worth, Texas. She has influenced thousands of parents, teachers, and kids in 30 countries through her speaking. She's authored seven books, including Screens and Teens, Eight Great Smarts, Start with the Heart, Five to Thrive, and Resilient Kids. And her brand new book is called Parent Differently, Raise Kids with Biblical Character that Changes Culture. Good morning, Dr. Kathy. Good morning. I'm so happy to be here. We're so happy to have you with us. And I'd love to hear the story of, I mean, in you're an expert in the field. There's so much that we can be passing on to our children. And the thing that that God planted on your heart was, I want you to write a book about biblical character. Can you take us to that moment? Tell us why biblical character right now. Yeah, I'd love to. I've written about character in a lot of my books, and I've always had positive uh, feedback uh, from my readers about my perspective. So that was one thing. Um, Biblical character, different from Christ-like character. It's bigger. It's Old and New Testament. It's God and Jesus and the Spirit and so much more, and we're desperate for it. I meet parents everywhere I go who are frustrated with their kids and their lack of obedience. And I want them to stress character instruction rather than yelling at their kids when they're disobedient. And the other reason that I wrote the book was I wanted to empower kids to know that they can change the culture today by the choices they make. They don't have to grow up and be an adult. When they're kind to someone, they change culture. When they're honest, when others are lying, they're changing culture. When they're generous, they're changing culture. And I want them to be empowered to know that. Does biblical character, I have a sense that in your book, biblical character includes identity, you know, Mm -hmm. teaching our kids that they are known and loved by their God. Is that, that seems to me to be the foundation of biblical character. It's a huge part of it. I do speak a lot about um, identity. I would say identity is rooted in security. We have an identity crisis in our culture because we have a security crisis. Mm -hmm. So when you put children in a position of Um, believe in the authority of the God of the Bible and the Lordship of Jesus, not just the Savior element of Jesus, if I can put it that way, then everything changes. So it is about um, who we are because God made us in his image for his glory for such a time as this. It has to do with um, the attributes and names of God and Jesus. It has to do with the heroes of the Old Testament and New Testament, you know, pointing your kids to Esther and Daniel Mm. and Paul and David and Moses and so many others who were um, followers in the best of way. There's the fruit of the spirit, the one another's, the Micah six eight. There's just so much in the scripture that can help our kids with character. There's so much about like I don't know if this is just our generation or it's just me and Perry, but we talk so much about like performance based, oh. you know, obedience rather than. And this seems the whole identity piece just seems so upstream from that. Like it's a much bigger conversation. Yes. Um, you know, rule followers, nothing wrong with following rules if the rules are right, you know, but I don't want kids to be legalistic and to follow rules because somebody's said that it's the right thing to do. I want their heart transformed for obedience. I want their heart transformed for righteousness. I want their hearts to lean into the person of Jesus Christ, as you guys are saying, with their identity piece. And so that's a different conversation, right? So I want them to be obedient because their character 
has been changed to that of Jesus Christ Mm -hmm. versus obedience because somebody's watching and they want to get a reward or avoid punishment. Those are not going to be successful in the long run because there's going to be opportunities where they're going to be alone. Nobody's watching and now they're going to have to make a decision. And if their heart isn't right with Jesus, they'll make the wrong decision potentially. Yeah. So we're, we're taking them by the hand and guiding them into a relationship with the Lord. Can you give me an example about of one of the characters that you just mentioned, one of the biblical characters and, and how we can learn character from them and teach that to our children? Oh, there's so much, man. Thanks for asking that, Shauna. You know, Esther is one of my heroes. The book um, of Esther, though, could have been called Mordecai. Um, mm-hmm. Esther's Esther because Mordecai was Mordecai. And it yeah. says in the book of Esther in the Old Testament that Esther followed Mordecai's instruction. So I want to bring out Mordecai to you as a hero who instructed. Mordecai did not give opinion. Mordecai did not give Esther advice. Mordecai instructed mm-hmm. Esther to keep her mouth shut what to do and how to behave. And she obeyed. She followed his instruction, which is stunning when you think about the fact that it was an older uncle, you know, raising her and all of that. So, you know, one of the points I would make is, are we instructing our children versus giving them opinion? They can get opinion anywhere. Mm, They need to get instruction from us that we get from the word of God. And then are we raising up our kids to follow it, to want to be who we said that they can be? you know, who knows, but that you have been raised for such a time as this. So that's huge. You know, Daniel having tremendous courage, knowing who he was in God's eyes and putting God in his testimony first and saying yes to the yes things and no to the no things. So, you know, they're they're just great examples in the Old Testament. Talking with Dr. Kathy Cook about her brand new book, Parent Differently Raise Kids with Biblical Character That Changes Culture. So back to the Esther example, She listened to Mordecai, her uncle's instruction. How do you think that she, you know, did that from the heart? How did that move from, you know, just the instruction she got into her heart? How do you think that happened? Yeah, great question. You know, I would say consistency is huge and integrity is huge. I'm guessing based on what I've read that Mordecai was, you know, 100% sold out to to God, Mm. to being who he was called to be. I think for our kids to have a heart change, they need to know Jesus, first of all. Um, and then the consistency, the integrity, the authority, the fact that um, I doubt that Mordecai apologized for any of his beliefs. And I think she knew that he was for her mm-hmm. um, and on her side. And that allows her child to listen and to be transformed. So, Kathy, give me the Cliff Notes version of what is biblical character. Help me wrap my mind around this. Yeah, thanks for asking that. Um, well, it's based on the whole of the Bible. So that's the Old Testament has so much that's relevant. It's based on um, the attributes of God and Jesus Christ and the role of the Holy Spirit, the names of God, the names of Christ. It has to do with Believing the scripture and believing that the wisdom there is for us today. Mm. Um, it has to do with choosing to follow, to become like Christ, to be discipled um, for the long haul. So a transformation of the mind, the heart, the will, all to cause God to be glorified through our choices, I think would be a maybe a good summary statement. Mm. You know, maybe we could just say it's it's loving God and loving people, the two greatest commands and how that works out. Yeah, that's, yeah, I'm sorry. Yeah, that's a, that's a great point. The great commission, the great commandment. We can't, I don't think we live those out well without biblical character. 
um, without a choice to become like Jesus and to represent God well. Those are huge, huge mandates. And so it starts really with the transformation of the mind, transformation of the heart. And when I was a kid, my parents really, they were church-going people, but not alive. They didn't have a living, vibrant relationship with Jesus, and they came alive to Jesus. And as a kid, I could see that. And I wanted what they had. And I know that was really the start of me developing any biblical character that I had. I wanted to have what my parents had. Praise the Lord for that. Yeah, I I was raised in church. My parents came to faith in Christ very, very late in life. My dad, right before he died. Mm -hmm. But my brother and I uh, trusted Christ earlier. And it, yeah, he's supposed to change us, right? We're supposed to stand out, not for our own glory, but for for God, which is why humility is such an important character quality. When you talk about character, so when I hear the word character, what comes to mind for me is someone's reputation, like how we know them, their their character. But you talk about character being a choice. That one flips the script for me a little bit. Talk about that. I love the way you worded that. Well, first of all, let me affirm you. It is our reputation. Character is our reputation. It's how we make decisions. It's how we set priorities. It marks us. It's what people talk about. So it's huge. It is a choice, Shauna. Everything we do is a choice. Um, All behavior starts with choice. All choices are rooted in a worldview, which again is why a biblical worldview matters. So if you introduce your children to the things of the Lord and his priorities, then they want to become like Jesus, behave like God would want them to behave and everything changes. So it's a choice. And I think one of the most powerful things that we say to our kids is you chose to talk back to me. No, 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 I didn't know. You chose to slam the door. No, it just slammed. No, you chose to slam the door. My favorite example is a kid who swore to me that his eyes just rolled. He didn't tell his eyes to roll. They just rolled. So he didn't mean to be disrespectful. His eyes just rolled. So I stared him down, Shauna, and I said, okay, I want your eyes to roll without you telling them to roll. And he stared back at me and he couldn't do it, of course. All behavior starts with choice. And so when your character is grounded in the things of the Lord and you're grounded in making God look good, then your choices Mm -hmm. are going to be God-honoring and everything changes. There's a parent listening right now, Dr. Cook, and their kids just are not behaving. They are unruly. They're out of control. What can you say to them? Well, you're not alone. So don't think that you're a terrible mom and that your kids are terrible people. Um, Obedience is tough today because there's so many voices your kids are hearing. There's so many examples of authority. Um, Sometimes it's our inconsistencies. Sometimes it's our lack of instruction. I wrote the book to teach kids biblical character, which is different from yelling and telling. So mm. I would want any parent to own what is theirs to own. And I say that with a lot of respect, grace, and mercy, because it's hard. This is why I believe that character counts, because all disobedience is rooted in a lack of character. So why do kids argue? It's a it's an authority issue. It's a power issue. It's a lack of flexibility. And it's usually pride. Mm. Why are kids not, why don't they show initiative? Why aren't they following through and taking care of their own business. Maybe it's lazy, a lack of effort. Maybe there's fear that they're not going to get it done well enough to please their mom. I, you can, If you look under the surface of the unruly kids mm. and ask yourself what character is lacking and you start to talk about that, model that, and teach that and share scripture that is about that, everything can change over time period. It's not going to be a snap of the finger, instant transformation, mm. but things can change. When I became a parent, I had my firstborn child. I was holding her in my arms, and this 
love started to kind of show up in me and bubble into this prayer. And I started praying to God and I was like, God, make her bold for the gospel, make her confident, let her know who she is. And I just started praying all these things that I wanted for her. And so many words, Dr. Kathy, so many words, (laughs) all pouring out to the Lord. And when I finally got quiet and all the words were done, I felt God speak to me in my spirit. And he said, be it. And I thought, oh, crap, if this all (laughs) if this all hinges on me being all of these things, I feel like we're not going to get there. And yet modeling is such an important part of parenting. You talk about the the challenge of that and yet the importance of it. Oh, Shauna, come on. What a profound beginning of this segment. That's just precious that God would give you the prayer and then speak that truth into your spirit. Yeah, you know, they become who we tell them they are, mm-hmm. and they become who we show them we are, I mean, to a large extent. And so we are significant. I I think uh, parents become better people when they realize that they have little ones watching them and wanting to be like them. And, you know, they dress, you know, they want to wear mommy's shoes and they want to carry daddy's briefcase. And they're showing us in those, you know, dress up choices when they're very little that there's something about us that's very compelling to them. So here's the thing. Our behaviors matter. Our choices matter. Our character stands out. I want us to talk with our kids about why we make the decisions we make. Mm-hmm. So talk out loud. Like maybe maybe effort, as an example, effort's one of the baker's dozen top 13 that I talk about in my book. So today's kids, they want everything to be easy and automatic and about them because that's what devices teach them is real. But that's not true. So maybe you really worked hard to weed the garden or maybe you had to figure out how to fix a, a leaking faucet, or maybe, you know, you had a new project at work and it was overwhelming, but you stuck to it and you shut the door and you concentrated and you figured it out and your boss was pleased. Talk with them about why you chose effort. Why didn't you give up? Why didn't mm-hmm. you just say, oh, I can't. Mediocrity is fine. Why did you choose more than that? Another thing that we've got to model, Shauna, is the uh, cause effect nature of our choices. So as an example, if a child gossips, guess what? your friends are not going to want to tell you much because last time they did, you gossiped. So the the consequence for your choice is a separation from your friends, a, a lack of closeness, if you will. If you got distracted at work and you didn't finish a report at two o'clock because you were doing what you wanted to do and not what your boss told you to do, and he knocks on the door at three saying, where's the report? Oh, shoot. Now you've got to deal with that. you got to earn back the trust of your boss, et cetera. Talk about that with your kids so that they understand why it matters that we are who we are. Mm. So this is not about being perfect parents. You know, when we, we oh. want to raise kids to have biblical character. So how can we leverage our mistakes as parents yeah. to help build character? Yeah, no, that's exactly what we were just talking about. It's such a good point. I think the the cause effect nature again is true. And you know what, Perry? When we're vulnerable and authentic with our kids, they notice that and it's easier for them to be vulnerable and authentic with us. Mm -hmm. If we come across as perfect parents and we've never turned in a report late, we've never chosen mediocrity, if we're perfect, then they can't admit to us that they're not because they don't think that we will understand their inner angst and how they're feeling in the moment. So um, age-appropriate sharing of your your vulnerable moments, I think, is, is super important. You know, when I was a teenager and I was trying to follow Jesus and failing, I never once witnessed a, another Christian, you know, like an adult Christian, say, you know what, I'm struggling. I thought uh, Christians had it all together 
and I was falling so far short, it would have just been so life-giving to mm. me for a for a respected figure to say, you know what, I'm struggling with I'm struggling with sexual temptation, you know, yeah. for example. Yeah. That would have just been made that would have been a game changer for me. Yeah. Because you were you you felt worse than the worst, right? You felt yeah. like unacceptable, you know, you're letting God down every time you, you know, turn around. So no, it's so good. I think it's so important. And you know, the thing that's so funny, you guys, is our our children know. They live with us. Mm-hmm. So, you know, so why are we faking it? You know? So if we don't talk about it and we pretend that we've never struggled with a choice of, you know, being timid rather than brave. No, they know who we are. And then we look like fools and now we're modeling deceit and lying. And that's not healthy. I don't know if you work out as a part of your regular routine or not, but working out is just a part of staying physically healthy. It's important for our bodies that we work out regularly. And there's different things you can do. You can do jazzercise. You can run. Deep respect for those who run. I like to work out in front of my television, you know, put the workout on and just do my thing in my little six foot by six foot square space and just wear that carpet down. But there's a lot of different things you can do. But a few years ago, my oldest daughter got started on CrossFit and I was so impressed with, man, like that is not for the faint of heart. You got to be pretty hardy to go after CrossFit. There was one workout where she felt like she was going to (laughs) puke and the owner of the gym happened to be there and he's like, come on, come on, one more, Bryn, one more. And she's like, if I do one more, I'm going to hurl. And he's like, just keep going. I'll clean it up, which is like legit. I've never worked out to the point of throwing up, but this was intense. And then she got our youngest daughter hooked on CrossFit. And this past summer, she was living at home and, you know, being there at, at the gym at eight o'clock, Monday through Friday to do her CrossFit workouts. And after a couple of months of it, I was like, man, you look good. I can see the muscles on you and you look strong. And she goes, thanks, mom. But that's not actually why I'm doing CrossFit. And I was like, oh, all right, do tell. So she kind of paused a minute and I was like, you know, why do you do CrossFit? And she's like, well, I'm, I'm doing it because... I want to be strong for life. You know, if I'm if I'm traveling and somebody needs help with their bag, I just want to be able to pick it up and toss it in the overhead bin, you know, like no problem. You know, if I'm if I'm running up a flight of stairs, I don't want to get to the top and be winded and have to catch my breath. Like I just want strength for my life. And you don't know what life's going to throw at you and I just want to be ready for it. And I was like, that is that's a great mentality to have towards getting strong. That's maturity. It is maturity. Big picture, right? And it got me thinking about how, you know, we don't know what life's going to throw at us physically, but we also don't know what life's going to throw at us that's going to require strength spiritually, emotional strength, the, the ability to be able to withstand whatever comes our way. And there's a word for spiritual strength. We use the word faith to describe spiritual strength. So how do we ready ourselves for what we don't know is coming? You know, how do we build, do the reps, if you will, you know, get in the gym and do the CrossFit workout spiritually so that we have the strength that we need when life hits us? Because there are moments that feel like, I don't have the strength for this. I'm not sure I'm going to make it through this diagnosis. I don't know that I'm going to make it through this season, my heart has never broken the way that it's breaking right now. We actually just were, were texting back and forth with a friend of ours who just said, man, I'm, I'm in it. Like I'm getting hit from every angle and, and I'm going down, you know, I feel mm. like I'm going under. 
that's reality. Maybe that's where you are right now. You're like, I don't have spiritual strength and I need it. I need to know that God's going to come through and he's going to pull me through this. Faith is a gift from God. Ephesians 2, 8 and 9 says, for it is by grace that you've been saved through faith. It's not of yourselves. It's, it's a gift of God. It's not by works so no one can boast about it. You don't have to earn right standing with God. You don't have to earn your salvation with God. And you don't have to earn spiritual strength. God gives it to you. But we can, we can nurture it, right? We can dive into it. Yeah. You know, Paul talks about rejoice in the fact that you've been made right with God through faith in Jesus. But also he says, rejoice in your sufferings. What? Mm. Because suffering produces perseverance. Perseverance produces proven character and proven character produces hope. And so the CrossFit to grow in our faith is the hard things in life, Mm. the sufferings that we go through and and we, we need not go through them alone. But Jesus is with us. He understands. He's gone through everything that we go through. But we also need people in our lives to walk through a, those hard times as God is strengthening us. And it feels like we're getting weaker and weaker and weaker. But in reality, we're getting stronger. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we're building those muscles. And maybe right now, the moment that you're in, you're like, if I keep going, Shauna, you don't get it. If I keep going, I'm going to hurl. <laughs> Mm-hmm. You know, I just, I don't even know that I'm going to make it through this. We just want to encourage you this morning. We just want to remind you that you are going to make it through this. God is who he says he is. He's faithful and he's good. And whatever it is that you're going through right now, I promise you, you are not going through it alone. The God who created you, he sees you. He's the God who sees you and he loves you. And he's going to walk you through this. There is another side to what you're walking through, and you're going to get there. You're going to get there with faith. So trust in him. Lean on him. Let him love on you. I don't know about you, but I'm working through some stuff right now, working through the speed bumps of life, needing help in making important decisions about things that really matter. I need wisdom. James 1.5 says, If any of you need wisdom, you should ask God, and it will be given to you. God is generous and won't correct you for asking. The Amplified Translation says that when we ask for wisdom, God gives liberally and ungrudgingly without reproaching or fault-finding. The Phillips Translation says that God will give us wisdom without making us feel foolish Mm. or guilty. I love that. So if we ask for wisdom, God won't point out our faults and sin. He just generously doles out the wisdom. So he's not, he's not picking our lives apart and showing us where we failed and looking. He's not a critic. Right. There's no filtering. Like I'm picturing this, you know, push one, (laughs) you know, if you, you want wisdom, If you've made a mistake in your life, push one. If you've not, push two. And you're just like, you know what I mean? Like, oh, wow, I just got derailed out of the system. Right. Disqualified. You don't get the wisdom that you really need because you've failed. Yeah. There's not a a one-to-one correlation between my failure and the wisdom that God gives. 
That's awesome. It's his grace. Mm-hmm. You know, he gives wisdom generously without finding fault. But listen to James 1, 6. That's the verse after. But ask in sincere faith without secret doubts as mm-hmm. to whether you really want God's help or not. Mm-hmm. The one who trusts God but with inward reservations is like a wave of the sea carried forward by the wind one moment and driven back the next. And I think this finally makes sense to me. And it's when I ask God for wisdom, I need to submit to whatever wisdom that he gives. You know, I need to take the answer that he gives me, not the one that I want. Right. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, he's not filtering us. We need to not filter him. Like, oops, you know, I'm going to dodge that one. That's not the one that I was hoping for. And I'll just keep praying until I get a different answer. Yeah. So the doubting is more like, well, I doubt I'm going to get the answer that I really want. What What happened? Siri just started talking to me. I have no idea. She's sending me information about something you said, apparently. I have no idea. Okay, you got this look on your face. Siri's always there. It's Perry, Shauna, and Siri on the show. Okay, I should not have said her name. I didn't mean to derail. No. So what I was just saying is that if, you know, doubting in this case is, I doubt that I'm going to get the answer that I really want. Because I really want this answer, but maybe God's not going to give it to me. And he may not. We just have to accept what he gives us to trust that God knows best. Right. Yep. So here it is. I I need wisdom. I'm working through stuff in life, just the, the challenges that come with life. And my dad, for one thing, is is in rehab and, you know, he broke his hip and there's just a lot of stuff to take care of and to to be there for him and, and other things like that. And, and then, you know, decisions that need to be made about really important things. And so I'm just asking God for that wisdom and I'm, and I'm submitting and saying, Lord, you know what, whatever you, however you answer, yeah, that's, that's what I want. That's what I really want. Yeah. I mean, that's a, that's a, it's a vulnerable, vulnerable place to be. And it's also a very courageous place to be, to say, you know, to not only ask, but to say, whatever it is that you give me, I will act upon. I will step into. I'll activate in my life. Because we trust that God knows best. Mm-hmm. So, James 1, 5 and 6. If any of you need wisdom, you should ask God, and it will be given to you. God is generous and won't correct you for asking That is so beautiful. But ask in sincere faith, without secret doubts as to whether you really want God's help or not. Lord, we ask you for your wisdom and we receive whatever it is. I've shared about my suffering friend before, someone in my life who is dear to me, and has had a lifetime of emotional, mental, and spiritual pain. And I was with him for a few hours on Sunday, and as I left, I just felt like I hadn't made a difference at all. Mm. I wanted to feel like I had. Right. You know, like I'd made some kind of, I've, I had made some kind of tweak of a difference. And I don't know, can you, can you identify with that? Oh my goodness, can I identify? Two different times over the weekend with two different people, I just people that I love were just wrestling with big emotions mm-hmm. and I just wanted to somehow 
through my encounter with them, make it just a little bit better. Yeah. And it's really, it's really discouraging when you don't. It's really frustrating. And I even complained about it a little bit, I think, <laughs> oh, Shauna. I understand. I understand. And then yesterday during the show, we got a text from Jack, who is a friend of Perry and Shauna Mornings, like you, who sent along this sweet little Winnie the Pooh story. Check it out. Pooh and Piglet hadn't heard from Eeyore for several days, so they trotted across the 100-acre wood to Eeyore's stick house. Hello, Eeyore, said Pooh. Hello, Pooh. Hello, Piglet, said Eeyore. Is that okay for an Eeyore? Yeah, that was pretty good, Eeyore. In a glum-sounding voice. We just thought we'd check in on you because we hadn't heard from you, and so we wanted to know if you were okay. Eeyore was silent for a moment. Am I okay? Well, I don't know. To be honest, are any of us really okay? That's what I ask myself. All I can tell you, Pooh and Piglet, is that right now I feel really rather sad and alone and not much fun to be around at all. Which is why I haven't bothered you, because you wouldn't want to be wasting your time hanging out with someone who is sad and alone and not much fun to be around at all, would you now? Pooh and Piglet sat down, one on either side of Eeyore. Eeyore looked at them in surprise. What are you doing? We're sitting here with you, said Pooh, because we're your friends. And true friends don't care if someone is feeling sad or alone or not much fun to be around at all. True friends are there for you anyway. So here we are. Oh, said Eeyore. Oh. And the three of them sat there in silence. And while Pooh and Piglet said nothing at all, somehow Eeyore started to feel a very tiny little bit better. Mm. Because Pooh and Piglet were there. That's such a beautiful story. Yeah, it's the power of presence. It's being able to sit in space with somebody who's wrestling and not have to fix them, you know? Yep. I mean, because the fixing part is, I mean, we want it for them. <laughs> but, but I think there's a part of us in that too, right? Like, I want to know that I was able to make a difference and that I was able to help you out. But when we can, when we... When we can sit without expectation and just, you know, love them enough to just be in it with them and hold that space and not have to eject, that's a gift. It is. It is. And it, I really appreciate our friends sending this to us because it really helped me. And the story really hits home as I think about my suffering friend. I want to feel like I'm making a difference. I want something in return for my love. But that's not the way God loves he loves expecting nothing in return. So just being present, as you mentioned, Shauna, should be enough. It needs to be enough. That's unconditional love. I think of how many times I've been Eeyore to God right. or my friends, you know, and yet he keeps on loving me. And I want to be like that. And when I think about it, you know, even when we, we feel like we're not making a difference in the Eeyores in our lives, you know, even in this story, Eeyore felt a very tiny little bit better. You know, we don't know, but I think that the person that we're with may not even be able to verbalize it, but they do feel a, a tiny little bit better. And so to love those Eeyores in our lives with unconditional love is the way God loves us. And that's what's changed me. 
God's unconditional love, and, and that's how we can change those in our lives who seem to be inconsolable. Thanks for letting Barry and Shauna walk the real-life journey with you. The content from the Barry and Shauna podcast comes from their live show, Barry and Shauna Mornings on 89.3 Moody Radio, Grand Rapids, Michigan. Reach out to us by texting 800-968-8930 and please subscribe.